You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, this is Don Brody, the host of the Hilf podcast. And Katie and Nathan from Queens wanted me to tell you they use strong language. So if that's not your thing, this won't be the show for you. But if that is your thing, <laughs> girl, come check me out. <laughs> Each episode of Hilf features a new guest and a different history subject. From Frankenstein to Cleopatra, I dig deep in the annals and stimulate... <laughs> Hilf, because history is a party, and everyone is coming. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about women in history. Hey, Nathan. Hey, Katie. Are you so excited to head back to Mother Russia today? I am always ready to go to Mother Russia. Yeah. Well, not today, because they don't like the gays. Um, no. But right. I do like to research Russia, because it's so much fun. Yes. And so we are picking up where we left off with Dagmar of Denmark, a.k.a. Maria Fyodorovna, oh. Empress of Russia. Yes. Nathan, where did we leave Dagmar? Okay. We left her when she moved to Russia from her home in Denmark. And she married the Tsarvich Alexander, a.k.a. Sasha, a.k.a. Sasha Fierce. Yes. <laughs> Dagmar had converted to the Russian Orthodox religion. So now her official name in Russian records is Alexandra Fyodorovna. But to avoid confusion, we're just going to stick with Dagmar. Miss um, Dagmar, if you're nasty. Ooh. Ooh. So let's talk about Dagmar and Sasha's wedding real quick. Yes. Because like we said before, the Russian nobility, girl, they're in their gaudy era. Uh, just waving around that cash like it's nothing when it came to like decor, special events, and especially weddings. Are you kidding me? All gold, everything. Thing. Yes. I really <laughs> hope this show of wealth doesn't come back to bite them in the ass or anything. Uh, foreshadowing? 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 Um, but their wedding was a huge fucking deal. The wedding took place at the Winter Palace on November 9th of 1866. And the bride was covered in jewels and a guanza, and we loved to see it. And she loved to see it. She <laughs> loved shiny shit. And, you know, this same. is kind of, Yeah, same. <laughs> and I mean, she wasn't, she didn't grow up as like a pauper or anything, but they were no, like her family was nowhere near as rich as the Romanovs. Yeah, she would have been super excited with all the, the wealth on display. Mm-hmm. And Katie, did they go to Bone Zone on their wedding night? Won't you take me down to Bone Town? <laughs> you could not see her right then, but right now she's doing a nice little shoulder shrug. With Won't you nice take me movie. down yeah. to Bone Town? Yes. <laughs> they bumped butts on their wedding night. For yes. sure. For sure. So Sasha wrote in his journal that they went to bed, but didn't give any of the juicy details. Prude! Uh, yes, yes. But he did write that after the fact, they stayed up all night chit-chatting and talking. That's very sweet. Because you have to remember, this would have been their first time to spend the night together. So I kind of love that he didn't just like roll over and go to sleep. Because like, we've seen that before. Because we've, <laughs> definitely, we've definitely seen some pretty traumatic wedding nights. And it sounds like this one was like best case scenario. So Yeah, at least mom and dad aren't watching. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like that part... At the time of Dagmar getting married, we've talked a lot about, one, people being forced into marriages that they don't want, mm -hmm. which doesn't really seem to be the style anymore here. And two, no one's watching you on your wedding night. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, 
how was Dagmar received in her new country? At first, people are giving her like some side eye because like we said, this is the Romanoff family. It is an old established family. If you'll remember from part one, her dad kind of just stumbled into being king of Denmark. So they're kind of looking at her like, and who are you again? What are what are your credentials? Mm-hmm. And also, everyone thought it was kind of weird that she had been engaged to Nixa before. And then, like, he dies and all of a sudden she's jumping to the next brother. Girl, are you that thirsty to be Zarina? Exactly. But as soon as the people started to get to know her, they were like, oh, we get it. Because remember, she's beautiful. She's charming. She's outgoing. She's sweet. She spoke perfect French and had excellent manners. So the nobility were like, oh, okay, we get it. We get it. And she leaned into Russia. Like she learned Russian language, Russian history, adopted their religion. So the normal townsfolk would be like, okay, okay, she's she's trying to become one of us and appreciate us. So she got along or at least time being also another thing that really endeared the quote-unquote commoners to her is that she didn't want to just be a pretty face she didn't want to just show up be pretty wear the gold and wear the crowns she got really involved in charities like Mm -hmm. right away which wasn't something she had to do she got super involved in an existing charity from uh, this program that was like centered around educating girls yay we love to see it Both of the nobility and of the lower classes. Even better. Yes. And she was involved in those charities, those educational charities for the rest of her life. She would also have a lifelong involvement in the Russian Red Cross. So she went as far as becoming a certified nurse for the Red Cross. She's got something to fall back on if this whole Sarina thing doesn't work out. (laughs) Nursing. (laughs) So all of this made her really, really popular with not only the nobility, but the non-nobility too. Sasha would end up calling her Russia's guardian angel. I think that's kind of cool that she got certified as a nurse. She didn't have to do that. Like, she didn't have to do any of this, but yeah, she wanted to... Yeah, that's super cool because, like, in a time when that was not really done. Exactly. So, speaking of Charity and her husband, this woman did some favors for her husband. He looked a lot better because of marrying her. Because this guy was awkward fucking schmockward at parties. (laughs) He would rather be in the kitchen playing cards with the chef and stuff like that. Then be out there in tuxes, rubbing elbows with a bunch of stuffy old autocrats, you know. But he's Zarevich. He, so he has to he has attend to. parties. He has yeah. To. And guess who is really good at going to parties? Dagmar. Uh-huh. So the two would show up together, and then as the night went on, Saucer would just inch closer and closer <laughs> to the door. <laughs> And no one would really notice that he'd snuck off because Dagmar was just standing in for him and entertaining everybody. I think that's really funny. And the two had a really, really happy marriage. Like, they seemed to be genuinely in love for a really long time, which we love to see it. We don't always see it on this show. No, no. And as far as we can tell, Sasha Fierce was Sasha Faithful, uh, aka never cheated on her, which was to say uh the bar's on the floor uh but for the time and place that's not normal yeah it would have been completely acceptable for the czar bitch to have a mistress totally so they started having babies about a year and a half after the wedding in the span of 14 years they had six children which 14 years six children we just got done with maria Teresa. which no. what was it like 15 kids in 19 years or something like that she was a baby factory So I love this because it feels like an appropriate amount of children in an appropriate amount of years. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, okay, her vagina is. She has time to heal. Torture, yeah, every freaking year. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. And most of their kids were really healthy. So she may have suffered one miscarriage before the birth of their first child. And then the second child that she had, Alexander, died at one years old. Which, do you know what he died of? What? meningitis which do you remember her first fiance slash her husband's brother Uh... i wonder if like when they were like your son has meningitis if that was like whiplash you know what i mean back to the past trauma a hundred percent yeah i know i hate that 
Now, I mean, both of these things would be heartbreaking, having a miscarriage and losing a child at one years old. But we have seen so much worse on this show than one miscarriage <laughs> and one premature death of a child, you yeah. know? Go listen to Catherine of Aragon. Oh, that's exactly <laughs> what my mind went to, too. How many it's stillbirths just, did she have? Like, Yeah, just tra- oh. trauma on trauma on trauma I on know. Trauma. So, yeah, it's sad, but we've seen a little worse. Yeah. Of their surviving five kids, they were, in order, Nicholas, named after her first fiancé, mm-hmm. George, Xenia, Michael, and Olga. The most Russian name ever. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, an annoying little side story. When Dagmar was giving birth to Nicholas, the whole damn time, her entire in-law family was in the room with her. Ooh. Like, I don't, I don't want you seeing me spread eagle with my vagina just out all up in the... No. And possibly pooping. Like, no Yeah, no, that's embarrassing. Ew. Like, her, the entire time her husband's, like, holding her hand, giving her kisses, which I think that's good. I, I feel like if you want your husband in the room with you, Go he, should, yeah. he should be. But then, like, her father-in-law is also, like... All, like, her husband's holding her one hand. Her father-in-law's, like, on the other side of her face being, like... You're doing great. You're giving it all for Russia. And then her mother-in-law is like down there with the midwives. Ooh, get out of my badge. Like, can I get, can a girl get some space? Like, Uh oh my gosh, that seems incredibly invasive, you know? Yeah, because you're literally spread eagle in front of everybody. Like, that's not a, yeah. Who knows what's going to come out of your mouth? (laughs) Who knows what's going to come out of your but anyway, anyway, this is just this is a beautiful conversation. Childbirth is Let's, wonderful. <laughs> it's a miracle. Let's get back on track. Though. <laughs> yes. Dagmar loved her kids, but she showed a really strong favoritism towards her sons, uh, especially, especially, especially her eldest son, Nicholas. Yeah. I mean, she was close to her daughters, but she was much she was. She was one of those annoying boy mom. You know, she was like really mm-hmm. into the boy mom life. But don't feel too bad for Xenia and Olga because dad was like the opposite. Like he was really, really affectionate and sweet with his daughters. So there was a balance there. There was a balance. Yes. Um, but their kids, not necessarily spoiled, definitely weren't raised with like this iron fist like you think of in from a guy because when you see pictures of Sasha you're like that guy looks harsh as fuck and so but they had kind of they had a really nice upbringing which is yeah super happy family y'all like they lived in a gorgeous palace in St. Petersburg super tight-knit well most of the family was super tight-knit um on their day-to-day Dagmar and Sasha kind of isolated themselves from their extended family so yeah Right. Sasha had a brother, Vladimir, and the two of them had, like, they'd always kind of had a sibling rivalry, but it's like the older they got, the more intense the sibling rivalry got. Since Dagmar and Sasha are on the same page for every fucking thing, he had a rivalry with his brother, so she had a rivalry with her sister-in-law, the brother's wife. It probably didn't help that her sister-in-law, Marie, was German. And if um, you'll remember from episode one, Dagmar thinks that anybody of German heritage is a flaming pile of shit, just thinks they're garbage. Don't we have a Patreon episode on her? We do. I can definitely link in the show notes if you're a Patreon supporter. I think it's mainly about like all her jewels and everything. Don't you? Do you remember that one, Nathan? Ooh, yes, I do. Yes. I love talking about jewels. She was a gaudy bitch. Marie, the sister-in-law, <laughs> she loved diamonds and pearls and rubies and she was extra about it. I know, I know Dagmar didn't like her, but I, I, I kind of like her. <laughs> <laughs> Dagmar not only thought that the sister-in-law was garbage, she also thought that the Emperor Tsar Alexander II was garbage. Garbage. Sasha and his dad had a shitty, shitty relationship. It was not an easy relationship. No, shitty, as you you might say. (laughs) Sasha and his dad disagreed on many, many things. First of all, daddy has a mistress. And daddy has several illegitimate children by this mistress. And he didn't hide the relationship from the public. And he was openly affectionate with these illegitimate children. 
which we've already discussed on the show. I hate the phrase illegitimate, like a person being illegitimate. Like that's, yeah. that's how it was viewed back then. And so, yeah, in our modern eyes, it's like, well, it's not the kid's fucking fault that their dad has stepped out on the marriage. So he should be affectionate with the kids. But to society back then, it was it was viewed as just being super, super disrespectful to his wife, the empress, Sasha's mom. Ah. Yeah. Speaking of which, Sasha's mom was in poor health. So her doctors had sent her to France hoping the weather would make her better. And Daddy Emperor was just like, Oh, when the cat's away, the mice will play. And he probably said it like that. He said it just like that. When the cat's away. (laughs) When the cat's away, the mice are going to fuck this other lady. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And openly have babies with her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Side note this mistress. Catherine Dolgorakova. Dolgorakova is how I think you say her last name. Nailed um, it. Nailed it. I, we're not really going to have a whole lot of time to discuss her on this episode, but I find the relationship between Alexander II and his mistress, Catherine, really, really interesting. So maybe that would be some good Patreon content. I don't know. Let me know what you think. Ooh. Yeah. But Dagmar treated Catherine, Kathy D, like so shitty in public which i think i mean i get it because you want to be on your mother-in-law's good side but mm-hmm. at the same time it's just like have a, i don't know i don't know what do you think yeah i think maybe maybe you should try to work with them and not treat people like shit and you'll get more respect I don't yeah know. i don't know but the next thing they disagreed about is a little more complex right um alexander ii of russia is the one to finally free the serfs in russia finally so, yeah so <laughs> serfs up let's serfs give a very quick rundown of what being a serf means i mean it's more or less slavery mm-hmm. i would say the big difference between serfdom and correct me if i'm wrong here but the big difference between serfdom and like slavery that we had here in the united states is that serfs were tied to the land. So if the person that owned the land sold the land, all the serfs family would go with, but they like the stay, they stayed on the land. Whereas with American slavery, you know, they broke up family because you could sell people to faraway lands. Or- it's all icky. It's all icky, but I think that's the big <laughs> Yeah, difference. no, that is, that is. A- but there weren't, there weren't really a whole lot of rules in place about like. How you treat them. I mean, you could still like fucking abuse the hell out of your serfs i guess the one shining thing is that serfs didn't really get their families separated like american enslaved people did but either way it's bad and yeah. <laughs> uh since catherine the great like when we talked about catherine the great which was like 150 years before this she wanted to free the serfs and it's st- so yay <laughs> it's yay. finally happening yay so during alexander ii's reign he enacted the serfs emancipation yeah but unfortunately, it really didn't pan out like Alexander II thought it would. I really think his heart was in the right place. It just wasn't this like success that he thought it was going to be. It didn't go great for a lot of people because nothing was like put in place for a good transition mm. from a life in servitude to being free. Like this is how you work in a normal environment. There was no education put in place or anything. That coupled with prejudice that non-serfs had towards previous serfs, you end up with a lot of farmers who can't read, have no skills besides just farming. They're being kicked out of their lands by the landowners. So they're flocking to these major cities like St. Petersburg because they need a job. They need to work. But They don't have any skills. They can't read. They're uneducated, unfortunately. I have this scenario that I want to explain to you that I think even in the best case scenario from coming from your life as non-surf to or from a surf to an employed person, even in the best case scenario, how hard it would be. So let's say you're living your entire life in a super rural place because Russia's fucking giant and super rural place. You've been a surf your whole life. This passes. And now the people that owned your land They're kicking out all the, they're like, we're not going to take you on as a paid help now. We're just kicking you the fuck out of your only home you've ever known. And so let's say you are just like the best seamstress that this land has ever seen. And so you're like, okay, fine. I'm going to go to St. Petersburg. I'm going to get a job as a seamstress because that's not like a farmer. They actually need seamstresses in St. Petersburg. You get to St. Petersburg, if you can get there, they don't have fucking cars, you know, like if you can get to St. Petersburg, you get there. And then you find a place that's like willing to interview you because a lot of places are like, I'm not going to take on someone that's a surf. 
And it's like, okay, well, this is St. Petersburg. You are dressed like a serf. Do you have any nicer clothes? No. Okay, well, you have a weird dialect. Everyone shopping here is going to speak French, English, or German. Do you speak any of those languages? No? No. Okay, but you're such a good seamstress. We'll just put you in the back and you can help with inventory. You can read, right, though? No. Nope. Do you see what I mean about like... It's like hurdle after hurdle after hurdle after And hurdle even in a best case scenario, cool, we're free now. But now it's just all these people moved to St. Petersburg and moved to Moscow looking for work and there's no work. And so now they're turning to sex work or stealing, you know, just to survive. Yay for free in the serfs. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But it just caused a whole other problem. There wasn't a plan in exactly. place to deal with that exactly. many people being freed. And Russia, the the population in Russia is so fucking giant, you know? Yeah, so now we have a homeless population problem now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got hungry people in the streets. It's a rough time. Yes. And Dagmar would have thought the entire thing was like, oh my god, this is alarming. This is crazy. This is, uh, this is horrible because... In most countries, serfdom had been abolished a really long time ago. Yeah. And another thing, Alexander II, he was interested in introducing a constitutional monarchy. Which, Nathan, what does that mean? What does a constitutional monarchy mean? So a constitutional monarchy is what you have in England. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically what we have right now in England. So you have a parliament. the, The king has say but really you're electing officials to kind of pass the laws and exactly the day-to-day stuff uh yes. than anything though leading up to this russia had always been an absolute monarchy which means there's no parliament the people don't get to vote on shit mm-hmm. and alexander ii was like hey yo every other monarchy in the world at this point has a constitution has a parliament Let's explore this. And Dagmar and her husband were like, you want peasants to have a say in the monarchy? What? These these poppers? Now <laughs> <laughs> so look, not everyone is perfect. To yeah. our modern American brains, we're like, yeah, girl, this is what you should do. Yes, the things but things were... Thing, yeah, things were completely different back then. Yeah. Okay, so that is a lot that we just went over. Why don't we take a quick break? Top off our drinks, and we'll come right back to discuss some more of these Russian adventures. And we're back. Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore all of the weird little questions and conspiracies of the universe in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything. Everything has an explanation. We hope. That is what we're here to figure out. We will dive into the science behind many popular conspiracy theories, such as vaccines causing autism, flat earth theory, and was the moon landing fake? And if so, why the heck would anyone even do that? But it's not just conspiracies. There's a lot of cool mysteries that we will attempt to use science to explain, such as near-death experiences, what made the Vikings go berserk, and can I control my co-host with MK Ultra? Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Uh, Yes. Now, even though everything wasn't perfect with the family they still saw them quite a lot like 
We already discussed Azarovich. Her husband had a lot of public duties. And in early 1880, Dagmar was attending a very fancy schmancy dinner in honor of her foreign <laughs> dinner <laughs> in honor of her foreign cousin who was in town at the Winter Palace at the time. Yeah, so Sasha Fierce went to go pick up said cousin and his train was running late. So everyone was all dolled up but dinner is running super, super late because they can't start until the guest of honor is there. So they're just sitting there in the drawing room, dripping in jewels. Come on, let's get this show on the road when the dining room fucking explodes. <laughs> I think we talked about this in that Patreon episode about the sister-in-law. Because oh, and- I was like, where does it sound so familiar? Yeah, Maybe. well, yeah, this entire time we'll get to it. Uh, is super assassiny, like pe- yeah, like, like they're like, like let's bomb the palace. Let's we'll get into it a little more later. But a lot of people really fucking hated the Tsar, and over the course of the last month, these group of haters went by the name of nihilists. Yeah, uh, they had been posing as carpenters, going down to the cellar, of the palace, like fixing things when they were actually planting small bombs and the plan had been obviously to kill the entire imperial family that day thank god that sasha was running late but after this i think it's the first time that dagmar looks around and goes oh shit is my family not safe I feel like this was yeah. a turning point in her life and something's foreshadowing that she's going to have to deal with for the rest of her life of her being like, is my family not safe? So she wasn't exposed to that in Denmark because Mm-mm. they were the pretty, happy, lovely family that nobody really had a problem with. So she's But now you're in first. Mother Russia, motherfucker. They have not had a chill period <laughs> You're ever. in Mother Russia, motherfucker. <laughs> Mother Russia, motherfucker. They have not had a chill period ever. You in danger, girl. <laughs> yes, Molly, you in danger, girl. Anyway, let's put a pin <laughs> in the assassination of it all. Yes. Now, later that year in 1880, when the Empress dies, the Emperor marries his mistress, Catherine waste no time like immediately immediately. no mourning period no apologies no sneaking around like dude had this planned out clearly yeah and not gonna lie it's a little tacky he married her within a month of the wife's death Ooh, that is not a good look that is not a good look. Even modern day. Heaven forbid if my husband died tomorrow and I married somebody 30 days later, y'all would talk shit on me and I, I would be like, yeah, you know what? That's, that's deserved. <laughs> that's valid. That's deserved, valid. yeah. Also, it was against their religion. Um, in the Orthodox faith, you were supposed to wait four months before. And even that was like still considered a little bit. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Dagmar and Sasha, though, they grieved the Empress's death really hard remember he was a mama's boy and Mm -hmm. so they view this quickie marriage as like a disrespect to the entire family which i don't completely disagree with them there Mm -hmm. why would it have hurt him to wait four months yeah it's it's not gonna change anything you're good another reason that dagmar gave catherine such side eye has to do with the hierarchy of the nobility at the time i found this really interesting because it's different it's different mm mm-hmm In most royal courts that we've seen, when the king dies, his wife becomes dowager queen. But the next king's wife is like the main chick at court. Right. But in Russia at the time, the dowager queen, and this is an important caveat, if she has been anointed, if she's had a coronation, the dowager queen remains the most important woman at court for the rest of her life, even after her husband dies. So the next guy's wife is the empress. But the Dowager Empress is still takes precedence. Does that make sense? Mm, no, that makes sense. And that's different than we've seen pretty much anywhere that we've any about. any other culture. Like yeah. even when we've talked about like Chinese and other places in Europe, it's always that the Empress. But here, if there's a Dowager Empress who has had a coronation, big difference. Maybe okay. that'll be important later. She is always the head bitch in charge. And so Dagmar is now looking at this side piece who's now married to the emperor and being like, the fuck? <laughs> like, excuse me, what? She's she's over me? I don't, I don't think so. 
<laughs> so let's let's switch gears a little bit. Clank. That was me. Is, is that your gears? Ge- <laughs> clank, clank, clank. Yes. <laughs> so it wasn't all bad with the family, at least not with Dagmar's side, because every summer she and Sasha and their kids would load up and head to Denmark, and they would have like a summer-long family reunion. Her kids, her sister, they would all come over from England. I remember her brother from Greece. He's like yes. king of Greece. Um, yes. He would come up from Greece with his family and everyone got to stay really close, which this is so nice. It's like a family reunion. It's like, you never see that. Like, we have not seen that ever. Like, I mean, to bring it back, because you mentioned Catherine of Aragon earlier, she didn't see, like, her siblings, like, once or twice mm. again in her entire but life. that was normal. That was normal for most of the royal women. Like, I just think that's lovely for Mm -hmm. them we just don't see it the entire family loved 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 their trips to denmark the danish court was so much more laid back than the russian court and Mm. that suited sasha because remember he doesn't like because he's kind of like not even he's not into it that much like so this is he can let his hair down. Did we talk about in the last episode about how he kind of re- reminds me of Ron Swanson? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I could see Ron Swanson being like, oh, we're in Denmark now. I can drink whiskey and play my banjo. Sweet. You know, like, he, I can it's drink like vodka, vodka and talk. And a tuba. Yeah. It was vodka <laughs> and a tuba. But still, like, he can do that. And, like, because the Russian court, they were just, it was so filled with precedents. And in Denmark, they could just let their hair down and just be a family. I mean, they still had servants and stuff, so it wasn't. But (laughs) do you know what I mean? It was almost like there wasn't paparazzi. Like a celebrity on vacation and there's no one around. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. A 100%. Yeah. I love this for them because, unfortunately, shit's about to get real. Um, Hold on to your butts. Oh, no. Clinch them tight. Um, Can I hold on to your butt? Um, yes, it's okay. nice and firm. Clinch, clinch. <laughs> the year is 1881, <coughs> and this perfect little life she had with her perfect little husband is about to perfectly drastically change. <laughs> perfectly drastically, yes. <laughs> so, fun fact about Alexander II of Russia, the current czar, up to this point, he had had six assassination attempts. Okay, is that a fun fact? <laughs> it's a fact. And I had fun telling you about it. <laughs> I don't know how. Good point. Touche, as Nathan would say. Touche. Okay, so let me rephrase that. Here's a fact. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Up to this point, he'd had six assassination attempts on his life. And Dagmar had been present at the last one. I get the vibe that he was starting to think he was a little bit invincible, you know? Uh. Maybe, uh, maybe not, because, uh, hey, lucky number seven comes Lucky around. number seven! <laughs> On March 13th, 1881, members of a socialist movement bombed the emperor while he was riding in his carriage, and y'all, it's a bad time. Hey, thanks for liberating the serfs. We're gonna blow you the fuck up for it. So, like, first someone throws a bomb, and it hits the carriage behind him, and so... He stops, he gets out of the carriage, he runs over to the other bomb site, and he says something like, thank God it's not that bad. And then someone from the bushes literally goes, don't thank God yet, and throws a second bomb. What the hell? And hits him. It almost feels like a little bit like a Monty Python sketch. Like if you played it, (laughs) don't thank God yet. Like, but, um, but no, it's bad. It's really 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 bad yeah the emperor didn't die immediately from his injuries but he did die later that day and dude was we're putting some levity into a really gruesome situation yeah (laughs) (laughs) no you can go google what they actually say the the damage that was done to him physically but it's documented a lot it was really bad there was no way this man was going to survive. It would have been a mercy if he would have been killed on impact, but he wasn't. He survived for like two or three more hours. Yeah. yeah all all yep. you need to know is that it was gruesome. And Dagmar saw it like up close and personal firsthand. Yeah. So she was affected by this 
hard. How could you not be? Yeah, like you see someone's life get taken in front of you. Well, and she's already paranoid. Are these people going to try to kill me and my family? And now it's like. Yeah, so now it's only adding to it. Well, and now that this guy is dead, her family is the main bitch. You know what I mean? Like, after this, Dagmar's life changed dramatically for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. They are now the main royal family. She's 34. Sasha is 36. And they are now Tsar and Tsarina. But because of what happened to her father-in-law, the family is obviously and rightfully freaked the fuck out. Yes. And they all go into hiding. Yes. She wrote in her journal after this, quote, Our happiest and serenest times are now over. My peace and calm Mm. are gone. For now, I will only ever be able to worry about Sasha. Oh. That's sad. Like she said, her peace and happiness is gone. She's just Mm -hmm. now... A walking ball of anxiety covered in gold and diamonds. Hard same. Hard same. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) the family moves into a palace that is about 30 miles out of St. Petersburg. And Dagmar hated it. Um, It was a 900-room palace built by Catherine the Great. But... It was kind of like a gilded cage, giving me Mary Queen of Scots vibes. Yes, um, kind of. It's like you're you're in this beautiful palace, but you're also kind of imprisoned there. <laughs> they had so much security that yeah. you couldn't go anywhere without a bodyguard. And also, to add to that ball of anxiety, her main objective now is don't let my family get blown up. Since they were so worried about security, do you really think they decided to skip the over-the-top coronation? No. No, this is Russia we're talking about. This That's is a Russia. Hard, it's Mother Russia, motherfucker. Mother Russia, motherfucker. <laughs> well, but also if they did try to skip the coronation, I think people would have been mad about that too. It's a bit of a yeah. damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know? Yeah. So they still had a coronation with over like 8,000 attendees with the glitz, the glamour, but security <laughs> was turned up to 11. Of course it was. Yeah. I hate saying fun facts now because I feel like you're once again. No, no, this is actually a fun fact. <laughs> her, her, so remember Kathy D from earlier that she was like, I don't ever want to have to bow down to her. She never got a coronation. Because of that, you're in their religion, you have to wait four months to get married. So because of that, she was like not allowed to get a coronation. So since she was never crowned, Dagmar is now the main the main chick at court. She does not have to show deference to the dowager, not empress. Yeah. Look, it's a snobby and I don't love it, but no one's perfect. Let's let's keep going. So everyone had a reason to be paranoid. Uh Six years after her father-in-law's assassination, they find out that there was a plot to kill Sasha. But that plot was discovered and all the people involved in it were hanged. Uh, One of them was the older brother of a little known historical figure (laughs) named Vladimir Lenin. But I'm I'm sure sure that that, that might be important. Maybe. No, no, that won't pop up again. So (laughs) Sasha... AKA now Tsar Alexander III, he is equally paranoid. And he basically viewed all of his father's reforms as his downfall. It's like, you gave the people liberties, and what did they do? They blew you the fuck up. So fuck that, fuck these peasants. He's like, what are we going to do? We're going to take two steps back with this Reformation game. Sasha had a very make Russia great again approach to governing, which yeah. mm, gah, doesn't sound as, as it doesn't roll off the tongue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that meant Mother like, Russia, motherfucker, I'm sure is yeah, what his red hats would say. <laughs> <laughs> so what that means is, is that he's regulating, limiting the rights of people, just not progressive. Right, now. right. So we're not going to go, we're going to go a little bit into her husband's political reforms or unreforms, but we're not going to spend too much time on it. We have an episode from Patreon from like the Katie's corner section of Patreon where I go into that deeper and I've put it on the main feed this week. So if you want to learn more about Sasha Fierce's unreforms, go check that out. But what you need to know is he's super 
super conservative in his views and he undid a bunch of his dad's new laws. Yeah, and the the main reason we're not going to talk about politics that much is because Dagmar just really wasn't into all of it, wasn't involved. She supported her husband, and she mainly focused on what she'd done before becoming an empress, like taking care of kids, throwing those parties, working with charities. Right, right. Let's not get blown up was her prime (laughs) objective and just let him do what he needs to do in office. But let me tell you, The people loved her for it. Dagmar was so, so popular as an empress. She was kind. She was maternal. She was regal. She was charitable. Like what? Point to the part where people don't like, you know? Right, right. And for the vast majority of her time as empress, she lived a pretty happy life. Though it's not going to be a major focus. Let's just touch on a couple of his political views because it's... You have to understand how polarizing he is. So great husband, loving father, good old boy, big old bear of a man. Yeah. Um, Fucking hated the Jews. Oh, fucking hated the Jews. He put in place something called the May Laws, which we won't go into too much, but it restricted the everyday life of Jewish people in Russia for the next 30 years. Is ugly. He was also very anti-anyone non-Russian. So he's not getting involved in other countries. He's not making allies. He's not making enemies. He is isolationism. Mm -hmm. Russia for Russia. I was about to say, yeah. Mother Russia, motherfucker is what he's like. And so all these other countries can fuck off. But because of this, his entire time as czar, he never got them involved in a war. So he also becomes known as the peacemaker. Because uh, they were never in a war. Hey. It's a, though, it's a complicated, <laughs> it's a complicated yeah, figure in history. Like, sure, sure, he didn't go to war, but he was pretty ruthless. Yeah. And, and he punished people first and didn't ask questions. Um, people would just get shipped off to Serbian work camps. That was like his thing to do for people he didn't like. Right. I don't know if this is true, but I read this in one thing. I thought it was very cute. I read this one story that one day Dagmar walks into his office and is looking for him and she can't find him. But he's got a piece of paper on his desk, which is this guy asking, like begging to be pardoned. And on it, Sasha had written as like one long run on sentence. Pardon impossible to send to Siberia. The story goes is she went and put in a comma. So it reads, pardon, comma. Impossible to send to Siberia. I love that. that. (laughs) So I I have no idea if that's true, but that's her reputation that she had. She's like the savior, the guardian angel, the protector. She's got that whole vibe. Yes, yes. The family was so close and she wanted all her kids to have this happy, free, loving childhood. Yeah. Which means they didn't force them into doing things that they didn't want to do, which on one hand, it's great. Cool. But on the other hand, if your son's about to be the next emperor, maybe you need to push him a little bit. Look, I didn't <laughs> like math and I still had to do math. Maybe this <laughs> kid should have. And, and I use and I Are you just bitter that you had to do math and he didn't? <laughs> And maybe he did have to do math. No, I'm just saying. The thing is, I have never once in my adult life had to solve for X. This guy probably had to like do emperor shit in his life a lot. Maybe he should have been more forced into those classes. Valid. So their son, Nicholas, um, he was a sweet boy. This is our third time. This is our third episode where Nicholas has popped up because we had we did his wife Alexandra Fyodorovna we did his mistress Matilda K special K a little K and (laughs) now we're talking about his mom and in every instance so that means we've researched this guy from all different talking points he's a sweet boy Mm -hmm. he's so sweet was he a good king I guess we'll have to see. Don't Google it. Uh, uh, yeah. Don't Google it. Don't Google it. 
it seems like they did try to get Nicholas into politics more, but at the end of the day, he just really wasn't into it. Yeah. And they thought they were going to have a long time for him to get ready, but spoiler alert. Don't Google it. (laughs) Okay. Now let's fast forward a little bit. In 1884, when baby Nicholas was 16, he fell in love with his 12-year-old cousin, Alexandra, who, again, we just, like I said, just said, we've covered. But Nikki's parents were not into his choice at all. Yeah. For one, they thought she was a bit of a drama queen. Well. She was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's prone to getting really upset, throwing temper tantrums, and that... That shit don't fly here in Mother Russia, motherfucker. Mother Russia, motherfucker. No, it's not how it works. Secondly, okay, what is the one thing that's been consistent with Dagmar in politics? Who does she hate? The Germans. What is Alexandra? Oh, no, she's German. <laughs> yes. Dagmar's Ooh. like, oh, this has to pass. This has to be like, just no. So why don't we put a pin in that real quick? I'm sure this will all be fine. And let's top off our drinks. We'll be right back. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. We are back, and I was thinking, you know what, Nathan? We got some bummer shit coming up. Before we get into the bummer Not shit, fun facts. Yeah. Why don't we talk about some actual fun facts before we get into the bummer shit? What do you think about that? Yes, that just, sounds fabulous. Just little tidbits that I didn't know where else would fit into the conversation. Yeah, so this one is a favorite of the gays. Um, Alexander, Alexander III commissioned the first Fabergé egg for Dagmar. Love it. Um, He gave it to her on Easter of 1885, and she loved it so much that he gave her one for Easter every year for the rest of her life. And um, hey, if anybody ever wants to donate a Fabergé egg to Queen's podcast, we'll take it. (laughs) Gladly. Gladly. I actually knew someone that had like three of of them. Actual or like replications? Yes. I think they were, Who? at least one of them was actual, because I remember um, Who did you know this that person had a... had a lot of money. It was the... Well, clearly, Nate, so... clearly they had a lot of money if they had a Fabergé egg. <laughs> yeah. I have several follow-up questions that we will take offline. We need to keep this story going. But no, um, so another fun anecdote, not so much a fun fact, but just at one point, Dagmar, her son Nicholas, and Sasha... They went to the UK for a couple of months to see her sister and her sister's husband. And mm-hmm. it was also a big deal because the UK and Russia had not been friends. And now they are. So cool. Her and her sister kind of looked alike. Not really, but kind of. But they would wear the exact same outfits when when they were in public in England. And they made their husbands <laughs> wear the exact same outfits. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I can't figure out why except for chaos. <laughs> it's just a fun, like, well, maybe... The tabloids following them and getting Yeah, they didn't want people and... following them. They they wanted to create confusion so that they could go out and do stuff like normal people and pretend to not be the king or the queen. And I just whatever. love that their husbands just went along with it. Like... I know, that's so cute. Sure. That's so cute. Yeah, right. I love that. Life it's goals. Silly. It kind of honestly sounds like something me and Kelsey would do. Yeah, it does. Right? <laughs> Fun fact, when Sasha and Dagmar would host balls at their home, the czar didn't like staying up all night with the guests, so he would join the band, start playing with them, but then like slowly one by one like, start sending go to bed. people go to away. Bed. Go to bed. Yeah, and then when all the music was done, he'd just start going around and 
turning off the lights <laughs> like hey um the show's over <laughs> i i mean as a extrovert married to not an introvert but a slight a more introverted person than myself mm-hmm. i bet my i bet my husband wished he could do that when we had friends over just uh, yeah that friends. would be the best like i'm actually thinking i'm like that's a good exit strategy to right be like, all right guys and you just turn off the lights <laughs> so here's another fun fact maria's brother remember how he became king of greece the religion in greece the orthodox religion and the Orthodox religion in Russia were pretty much the same thing. But her brother decided not to convert. He wanted to stay Lutheran. And so the people of Greece were like, well, that's fine, but you have to marry an Orthodox woman so that your children are Orthodox. And so Dagmar was like, come to Russia. Baby brother, I'm going to find you a wife. And that's a matchmaker, make me a match. Yes, and that's exactly what she did. She hooked him up with a Russian princess, and the two of them had a very happy marriage until he was assassinated. Oh, oh no. Hey. Well, that brought the fun facts to an end. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, more death, y'all. Yay. Yay. In. 1888, a horrible accident ended up happening that would change Dagmar's life forever. Um, It was known as the Borky train disaster. And it's exactly what it sounds like because they weren't real inventive with names. No, no. The family was on a train heading to St. Petersburg. And the train was going way too fast. And um, there's a bunch of other things that we won't get into, but they just... For lots of reasons, the train did not meet safety regulations of the time. Some people will say that Sasha was drunk and he was telling the conductor, pressuring the conductor to go faster than was legal, but we'll never know for sure. Either way, the train went off the tracks while the family was in the dining cart. Uh, You can Google pictures of it, but spoiler alert, it was bad. Um, because it was bad. <laughs> because it, it looks bad because it was bad. Nathan, go ahead and click on this link. Because this is a time where pictures existed. And have a look at this disaster. Ooh, it's like the train completely came off the rails. Kind of like the metaphor for my life. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> yeah. Less casualties in your life, I'd hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> far less because 21 people were immediately killed with about 40 more being seriously injured Ugh. and in the dining cart the roof caved in but <laughs> dagmar's big old giant man bear pig of a husband <laughs> holds up the collapsed roof up so that his whole family could get out of the cart <laughs> but you know what happened his whole family got out. <laughs> While Sasha was cosplaying as Superman, his whole family got out of the car. <laughs> that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Like his, he held it up and his whole family was able to get out. Yeah. Like, let's, let's take a moment, yeah. like, to think how Dagmar would have felt. Number one, scary AF. There's 21 people dead. Your family made it out safe. A little bit of survivor's guilt there, probably. Probably, um, yeah. But also... Also, your big-ass, bare, handsome husband just saved your life from being crushed to death. Right. Like, you would literally be like, I love you so much. (laughs) Yeah, it must be a little bit of conflict because, one, like you said, survivor's guilt. Like, because all Mm -hmm. these people died. But also, you might also be looking at it like, well, maybe if we would have allowed more people to be in the dining cart with us, they could have survived. You know, Mm -hmm. know, it's just, it's complicated, right? Ugh. Yeah. Sticky. Sticky. Ugh, she had to have felt Sticky, like icky. Mixed bad. emotions. She felt horrible, but relieved yeah, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, the family was unharmed, which she had to have been like, oh my God, thank God. Yeah. Because, except that uh, Sasha actually wasn't fine. No. No, um, poor baby. He had wrecked his fucking body pretending to be Superman. I'm sure the adrenaline the he adre- was able to do a lot of stuff that... You know how you hear a story about a adrenaline letting a mother like lift a car off of her kids or whatever? They probably don't talk about that the mother breaks the next day dies of heart failure or something or like breaks her back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like she broke her back. Yeah. Yeah. So this was 
sadly the beginning of the end for Sasha, though he did live another six years. Yeah, there's just a whole, not a whole lot to discuss over the next six years. Sasha's health was in sharp decline, and they were arguing a lot with their oldest son, Nicholas, about who he was going to marry. So Nicholas threatened to abdicate his throne as Tsarevich if they didn't let him marry Alexander. Sweet baby Nicholas. Um, <laughs> throwing a little temper tantrum. Sweet so baby. Um, <laughs> and Dagmar realized that all this fighting was actually hurting Sasha's health. So they were finally just like, okay, fucking fine. Get married. I don't care. Do it. Do it. Their eldest daughter, Xenia. So she was also in love with somebody that they didn't view as a suitable match. Sasha might not live to see any of his kids married. And so they allowed Xenia to marry this guy that she was in love with. So Sasha could attend the wedding. Their younger daughter wrote in her diary that Xenia's wedding was the last time that she saw her dad smile like that. Later that year, in November 1888, Sasha's doctor is like, hey, it is winter in November. This is not helping his illness. He should go somewhere sunny. And Dagmar is like, well, my my brother's got a place in Greece he can go to. And so, so <laughs> a couple, a couple places. A, a couple places. <laughs> he's, he's got uh, the entire, <laughs> the entirety of Greece that he can go to. <laughs> and so Dagmar... <laughs> hops on a train and is heading to Greece for his health. And while en route, it became pretty clear that he could not travel. Uh -uh. And they stopped before even making it there and sent word to the family, like, you got to see him right now because you may not get another chance. Which also reminds me of, because remember when her first fiance died, it was the same kind of thing. He was traveling Mm -hmm. and it was just suddenly like, stop now, you know? So Dagmar was wrecked, but she was hopeful. She had it in her mind that if I just stay by his side and I take care of everything and I keep his mind off everything, he's going to be okay. This is just a dip, you know? And so she was doing everything she could to make him feel comfortable. And Sasha wasn't as optimistic as his wife. So he tells Nicholas, hey, invite your fiance here. I want to make sure I give you my blessing so that y'all can get married And he insisted on getting dressed in his military official duties outfit and like greet her in style like a like the future Tsarina should be greeted. Uh, I I love that he wanted to do that. But also I could see how as uh, his doctors or his wife, you'd be like, that's not fucking necessary. Right. You know what I mean? Go lay down. Go lay down. (laughs) So Dagmar this whole time is just like, for the love of God, you don't have to do this. Just go lay down. You're going to exhaust yourself. This isn't necessary. Just, ugh. But her husband, as she knew, was really hard-headed. He was going to do what he wanted, and he wanted to give his future daughter-in-law an official, like, welcome to the family entrance yeah and dagmar was right the whole thing exhausted him and he didn't live much longer after that on his deathbed he told dagmar something like i'm not sure if i'm gonna have heaven or not but that's okay because i've been lucky enough to have an angel for a wife oh that like actually really (laughs) touched my heart that's so sweet i'm not i'm not crying you are not either i'm not i'm (laughs) totally not crying was there two people that are not crying (laughs) Dagmar and Alexandra, her daughter-in-law, never had a good relationship. I have to wonder if part of it is because, well, if my husband didn't feel like he needed to get dressed up and welcome you, maybe he would have just laid down and lived Mm. longer. So, Tsar Alexander III of Russia passed away in Dagmar's arms on November 1st of 1894. He was only 49 years old. Dagmar refused to leave his body right away. And she held him in her arms for like two hours after he died. Stop it. Uh, why is Stop this? It. Why am I? Uh, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, she was. It's fine. She was crushed. Yeah. yeah, she's crushed. She's going into this deep depression. So like a good sister does, her sister and brother-in-law, the Prince and Princess of Wales, drop everything, go to St. Petersburg. Oh. So Bertie, the Prince of Wales takes over all the funeral planning and his sister Alexandra doesn't leave Dagmar's side for weeks. I mean, at least she has a good support system, you know? 
And so a week after Sasha's funeral, the court, you know, so the court is in mourning for the czar, mm-hmm. but they are allowed to lift mourning when there's like reasons to celebrate, but it's not like a full lift, but it's like, you can wear things that aren't black for this day or whatever. So a week after the funeral, it's Dagmar's birthday. And so the mourning is lift a little bit for Dagmar's birthday. And that's the day that her son decides to marry a German woman. Oh, so uh, let's take a stop at the speculation station. Yes. Uh, We we don't know how she felt about this, but how do we think she felt about this? Because she never wrote down. There's no surviving letters, no diary entries about how she felt about this. Um, the fact that she and her daughter-in-law never had a good relationship. I'm going to go ahead and assume that she was like, could y'all have waited for some other uh, break in the morning besides my birthday to get married? What do you Yeah, think? absolutely. A hundred percent the same thing. Because it's like you could have chosen any well, not re- literally any other day. Because they're morning, uh, but, but you could have waited. But yeah. you could have waited. Why couldn't you, you have waited have waited a couple another... of years to get married and her just live here for a while? Yeah. You could have waited for your birthday. You could yeah. have waited for something like that to happen for and it it's to only get lifted, a but week why after her husband's funeral as well yeah so it's like why so soon we could be misreading it we could also be completely misreading it we don't know dagmar maybe was like yeah but since she has not left any official record there speculation station you know (laughs) anyway and now dagmar of denmark aka alexandra fyodorovna tsarina of russia is now the dowager tsarina of russia and and that's where we're going to leave her. Yes, we will pick this back up in about two weeks. Remember, when you are a dowager Tsarina and you've had your coronation, you are the most important person, important woman in Russia. So maybe that will be totally chill with her daughter-in-law that she doesn't like. <laughs> Until it wasn't. Until it wasn't. All right, we'll Until see y'all. Until things were no longer chill. <laughs> All right, cheers, bitches. <laughs>